welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or your future is our business. The information provided during this program does not reflect its career in its entirety. And today I have the pleasure to speak with Lisa Utal, who's a marine biologist at NOAA, which is the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. Hi, Lisa. Hey there, great to hear from you today. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to help me do this interview. Lisa, would you mind telling us what your job is with NOAA as a marine biologist? Yeah, I've been working for NOAA for about 13 years. Been really lucky to do marine education and outreach for Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. Awesome. So you've been there 13 years. That's a long time. And you also helped develop the Exploration Center down by the Boardwalk. Do you mind telling us about that? Yeah, I actually came to NOAA and the sanctuary as a marine biologist to develop messaging and to develop exhibits for the Sanctuary Exploration Center, which is our premier visitor center for Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. It's located down at the wharf in Santa Cruz, right across from the, down at the base of the wharf. And there, it really is, if you think about it, a portal. We have visitors every year that come to the sanctuary, hundreds and thousands that come to the boardwalk area. And we wanted to have a way of educating them about when they come to the ocean, when they come to the sanctuary, how can they come to the ocean and be responsible? When we designed and we developed and designed and constructed the Exploration Center down at the wharf, one of the things we were looking to do, if you can think of the Sanctuary Exploration Center as kind of a portal, it's a landing spot for those tourists and visitors and the local community to come and learn about Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. And I can't impress upon you enough how we live in one of the most biodiverse and ecologically diverse areas in the world here in Monterey Bay. And we highlight those things at the Sanctuary Exploration Center. And I had the opportunity to do this through communicating the science through whether it be through film, whether it be through interactive exhibit where someone would, for example, track a turtle that comes all the way here from Papua, Indonesia to eat jellyfish. Leatherback turtles travel 7,000 miles just to eat jellyfish. It's so amazing. Yeah. Right. And you were talking about a film that plays down at the Exploration Center. Do you mind telling us about that? Yeah, we have, we have the One Breath, a Monterey Bay experience that plays in our theater. And Bob Talbot, who's world-renowned filmmaker, was the creative artist behind this film. And what we did was we took stories from Monterey Bay and really talked about, and the positive stories, the stories of at one time where our fisheries were threatened, our marine mammals like whales were and elephant seals numbers were low. And we talked about that time in our history 
and then talked about the revival and how in the recent years we've seen a huge, huge revival of these organisms in Monterey Bay and we've seen a more sustainable fishing happening. And the sea otters too were endangered at one point, right? Is it because of their, their pelts? And is it true that their, their fur is the most dense in the animal kingdom? Yes, sea otters are amazing. They have, there's some scale for fur and the richness of it and the sea otter fur is considered to be the best and most rich fur in the world. These guys don't have any blubber and so they have to constantly clean themselves to keep the oils, you know, their oils. They have to preen themselves so that they don't, their fur doesn't get matted down and they get cold or hypothermic. So you'll see an otter who eats over a quarter of their body weight every day. That's kind of like if you were to eat 25, uh, 80, a hundred pound otter would eat 25 pounds of food a day. That means that that otter has to eat a hundred quarter pounders just to survive <laughs> daily. Uh, they're so they're so cute, and I love the the plural for otters. Isn't it a raft? A raft of otters? Yeah, a raft of otters. You'll oftentimes if you see them out in the water, they'll be hanging out in a big raft. And one of the things that's really important is that we at the sanctuary educate the public about how to approach these otters because of the Marine Mammal Protection Act. These organisms are protected and you really can't disturb their behavior. So it's really important for these tourists, like when they come to the Exploration Center, they may learn about how to be mindful of approaching wildlife in the sanctuary. Yeah, that's awesome that you're educating people on that. Is it true that they can be kind of feisty? <laughs> yes. I have a story of an otter getting on my kayak <laughs> and grabbing my foam float and chewing it up. Wow. And yeah, I've heard of divers have told me that, I don't know about otters, but uh, sea lions will grab their fins and they're like their masks uh, when they're out diving. Yes, har the harbor seals especially will mm -hmm. startle you. When you're scuba diving, they'll come up behind you and they might grab your fin and it really startles you the first time that happens because, you know, your Monterey Bay, while it's, it's not the clear, gin clear waters of the tropics, it, sometimes the visibility isn't that good. So if a harbor seal comes up and tugs on your foot or plays with your snorkel on your mask, you get very startled. It can be very unsettling initially. Well, one time I was diving in Monterey and the visibility was poor and I got bumped by a big a big body of something. I had no idea what it was. And I instantly go to the surface as quick as I could. And there was a harbor seal like six feet from me just looking at me and it dove back down, you know, so I thought it might be coming at me. It was, it was kind of scary. I got out of the water. <laughs> yeah, the harbor seals are the most curious ones when you're scuba diving. Yeah, I was free diving and spearfishing in really poor visibility, but going back to something that you said earlier, I think it's so awesome that you guys are educating the public on the importance of the Monterey Bay because maybe people don't realize just how special it is. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary, I mean, I feel like I'm from Michigan and having come here several years ago and landed here as a marine biologist and having a career in marine science has been one of the most wonderful things. Monterey Bay has some of the most 
the largest biodiversity in the world. We call it the Serengeti of the sea. We have like over 350, you know, types of seaweed and algae here. We have over 450 species of fish. We have over 36 different kinds of marine mammals that come and go from the sanctuary. And, you know, most importantly, I think, from the human perspective, we have this incredible playground. We can surf in it, we can kayak in it, we can uh, scuba dive in it, we can do all kinds of things. And doing that means there's an impact. It means that we're in. We as humans are as just a much a part of the sanctuary ecosystem. And so for the sanctuary, we, we have an opportunity to educate people how to be responsible when they're viewing wildlife, but also to be sustainable and not to trash your ocean. Yeah, that's so important. Lisa, do you mind telling us what your main duties and responsibilities with your work is? Sure, sure. As a marine biologist, you know, I did deep sea research. I was fortunate enough to work with remotely operated vehicles at MBARI, Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute, for my graduate work. And through that experience of doing science and actually publishing that science in journals, I learned that the science language is not always readily available to the public. And so we oftentimes in my job, I'm taking science and science stories and making them accessible to the public. And what that means is there's a body of science that's out there. And then what I have to do is maybe create an exhibit and make it interactive or create a film or do a web story, write a web story. And then I take that story and you know it becomes a product. So I do education and outreach of science at Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. Another aspect of my job that is really, really exciting for me is something we call ecosystem-based management. It's like what I was telling you about, that we as humans often separate ourselves from those other animals out there. Well, we are part of that ecosystem. And so I have an opportunity to work with the human side of things. There's also the biology side of things. There's also the unexpected stuff like, you know, weather that all have an impact on the sanctuary and how we protect it. And so we try to look at a sort of ecosystem approach. And so for us, we as tourists or people as tourists get out there into the sanctuary and they get to play in the sanctuary. And I hope that we can educate them to do that in a more sustainable and environmental approach. I think that's so great. And I was wondering, has your job changed much, you know, during the COVID times? And is the Exploration Center, are they, have they been able to stay open at all? No, the Exploration Center is not open at all. And we as no employees are all working from home, teleworking. And so it, it has been a huge impact because visitors have not been able to go. As you know, places like the Monterey Bay Aquarium haven't had visitors now for over a year. That goes for us as well at the Sanctuary Exploration Center. But also as no employees, the federal government has really taken very seriously 
this COVID and the virus and making sure that we are all safe in our homes working and not interacting. I have to, if I have to go off site for my job, I oftentimes, I have to find, I have to get permission to do that. Okay. I mean, hopefully that's not, it's not for too much longer. It sounds like things are in the process of maybe coming back to whatever normal. Yeah. Yeah. We're hoping, you know, the COVID thing has had a lot of wonderful silver linings, I think, in the sense that we have been from the education perspective, been able to reach out to places we never would have if we were doing a program that was on site at our center or a program, I do a program every year, oftentimes out at the beach. And those programs now, we do them virtually and we're able to reach inland of California and reach inland to the United States. Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary has a federal system of marine protected areas. You know, we're one of 15 sanctuaries now across the country in Hawaii and Samoa really allow us to project our message throughout the United States and even international sometimes now. Oh, that's pretty great. And you're probably reaching people who maybe otherwise you wouldn't be reaching because of everything going on right now? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that we have, we've been able to broaden our audience in so many cases. And I was wondering, you have your education is in marine biology. Growing up in the Midwest, did you, (laughs) were you always interested in the ocean? I was, you know, I followed my passion and I was fortunate enough when I was a freshman at University of Michigan, I had an opportunity. I went to Hawaii for the summer to, and I learned to scuba dive in the warm waters of Hawaii. And then I also ended up volunteering as to train dolphins in a research project. And this was when they were, scientists were just finding out that dolphins actually had you know, language. They could recognize hand signals and they would use that in combination with sonar sounds. And they would literally train the dolphins to do seven word sentences. Wow. So it might be something like tap your tail, swim, jump, over get the ball. You know, it wouldn't be that complex, but it would be like ball, tap, tail. So behaviors, we were teaching dolphins how to do behaviors. And I went back to Michigan and I just had a passion. I just knew that I wanted to study the ocean. And so I had a lot of people telling me, hey, especially in Michigan, what jobs are there? There's no jobs in marine science. And I kind of ignored a lot of that. What I did was I, every opportunity I got, I would go and volunteer for an organization. So NOAA has internships throughout the year with different NOAA institutions that you can volunteer for. I remember the last time I visited Long Marine Lab, which I guess is not affiliated with NOAA, but I remember there being like a dolphin or maybe two dolphins. Yeah. Yes, uh, Long Marine Lab has a very active research program, and I know that they do educational programs, but I, I, I don't think they've been doing that for a while now with COVID. Okay. I was also wondering, you know, when you were talking about Michigan, have you ever dove in any of the Great Lakes? I heard there's some <laughs> good, I heard there's good wreck diving. 
There is. We have our Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary up in northern Michigan. And, you know, that area is known for its shipwrecks in the freshwater lakes. And so sanctuaries are really designated across the country. They were designated federally and congressionally designated over the last 50 years, almost 50 years, because of their maybe ecological significance, maybe because their maritime culture, it may be because of a shipwreck. It may be also that that place is aesthetically uh, beautiful or it's such a rich, rich, rich ecosystem. One of the things sanctuary recognizes too is we really recognize the cultural history of an area. And so I don't know if you know this, but Monterey Bay has one of the most rich fishing cultures in the world. We have years and years of different countries immigrating to the United States and establishing very successful fishing here in Monterey Bay. And that goes back, you know, way back even to the whaling days, the Portuguese whaling days, or to when the Chinese came here and would dry squid on the shores of Monterey Bay, to the Japanese who did free diving with abalone. And then, of course, the Italian fishing group that used to come here all over the bay and fish sardines and anchovies and other yeah, that's super interesting. I remember volunteering with the state parks and the story at Point Lobos was telling us that, that you can thank electricity for helping save the whales because they weren't harvesting whales any longer for their blubber, for the lamps. Yeah, that's true that when electricity came on and the oil from their blubber, they used to put them in these big tripods and boil down the blubber for oil to run their you know, lanterns and stuff. When that happened, that was one of the contributing factors to uh, the whales not being harvested. Not to mention that their numbers were so low too that it was becoming really tough for them to find whales to kill at that time. Yeah, I always found that interesting. And for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be on KSQD Santa Cruz and streaming at ksqd.org. I'm your host, Patrick Hart. And today I'm speaking with Lisa Utal, who's a marine biologist with NOAA. And Lisa, I was wondering, what kind of person do you think would enjoy the type of work that you do? Well, there's something I always tell people. While I may have started out as what I call a whale hugger, I wanted to study dolphins and whales initially. There, the marine science or marine biology, or you want to see, say, any of this, the careers are so diverse now. You could become an engineer, a marine engineer. You could be building the remotely operated vehicles or the autonomous underwater vehicles. You could be that engineer who builds those tools for the scientists to use. You could be a communicator like I am about science. I love interacting with people. I love educating people about the really heady science, nerdy stuff in, in the ocean. You could also, there's different facets of marine biology, and it's not just marine biology. You could become an oceanographer and study physical oceanography or chemical oceanography or, phys or geological oceanography. So if you like rocks and underwater volcanoes, you could be studying that. I think it's just being really creative. First, following your passion, 
Second, be really creative about how you use your education to, and, and then what you like to do. For example, I use a ton of art in my outreach. And what I mean by that is when I develop and design an exhibit, I will work with artists who will help me visualize or use the art to bring people into the stories that I tell. Well, that must be great, educating people and seeing, inspiring young people and seeing that light turn on in their eyes when they learn something really cool and, and new and maybe thinking to themselves like, hey, maybe like this is something I could do for a job in the future. Right, right. And there's, there's so many jobs here. Monterey Bay is such a, you know, amazing place. We have just in the sanctuary, we span from all the way up in San Francisco down to Hearst Castle, San Simeon, 276 miles of coastline for the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary and about 30 miles offshore. That's a lot of area. And I would say that Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary has one of the richest in research and educational institutions in the world. There's over 50 research and educational institutions, over 25 just in Monterey Bay itself, where you as a student can volunteer, you can look for potential opportunities. I used to have my high school students and I have my undergraduate students now think about science questions that they have. and when they're thinking about it, if they tell me they want to study something like a sea urchin, I would have them reach out to the expert in sea urchin biology and be able to possibly do a project with them. So it's science is so creative. You know, it's a, it's a place where you will never get bored. You don't do the same thing throughout your career. You have an opportunity to be creative and you you can exploit the areas of it that your skill set is best at and what you like doing the most. So be creative and be sure if you live in this area to reach out to those people. We have a program at Cabrillo College, right? And that program is a, a no credit, no cost course where students are able to go out and monitor in the sanctuary by monitoring plankton. That's super awesome. Lisa, do you mind telling us some of the favorite projects you've worked on or are currently working on? Yeah, of course, the opportunity to be part from the ground up of building a visitor center was one of my, the Sanctuary Exploration Center was one of my wonderful opportunities. I've developed programs that have an ecosystem-based approach and I've worked with fishermen and developed curriculum that is about fisheries and fishermen and fishing communities. That's one of my favorites. More recently I just mentioned that I helping at Cabrillo College to co-teach a course where we have students that monitor over time throughout the semester what our plankton populations are from three different locations here in Santa Cruz. And they go and they collect, and they are actually paralleling research that's going on at UC Santa Cruz and with the state of California on phytoplankton. 
So their information goes into a NOAA database and that database is capturing over time and at different locations so we can monitor what's going on in the sanctuary. Yeah, that's great. My old roommate, Charlotte, a, she's a marine biologist. She's a PhD student. And when there was an algae bloom some months ago, I was able to go and uh, witness that with her, the di- dinoflagellants. Yeah, well, did, yeah. It was really beautiful. It was so cool. And seeing all the kids there and how excited they were every time like the ocean was lighting up blue as the waves crashed. It was really spectacular. It was cool. Yeah, we've had, this is one of the cool things about our monitoring program because Cabrillo students and also other individual community members are out there sampling real time. They may catch it. We can see when there's a high abundance of something like the dinoflagellate that caused these bioluminescent blooms. And we all talk to each other and we say, hey, there's a bloom out there. <laughs> and people then can go down and experience it for themselves. And in this case, it was some plankton, phytoplankton is bioluminescent and some are not. But it's a whole world that you know we love to explore and it's a microscopic world. People talk about charismatic megafauna like whales and dolphins and sharks. And I talk about charismatic microfauna like phytoplankton and zooplankton. It's super cool. And it's and, and I should mention that we are also, here's the human side again, not just looking at the biology of plankton and what's there, but we're also one of the biggest threats today to the uh, sanctuary and the ocean is microplastics. Mm. And so microplastics are on the size, the same order as plankton. And we are seeing a lot of microplastics in our samples. Wow, that's that's super unfortunate. Yeah. And what advice or resources can you give to students who are interested in pursuing this career? I say to follow your passion. And if you're in high school and if you live here in the Monterey Bay area, you oftentimes have the opportunity to take courses at your high school that will help you get involved in either projects here. Get involved, if you can, to volunteer in a citizen monitoring program that involves the ocean. And what about advice for someone who is unsure about their career path? Dabble. You know, high school is the time when you can do a summer internship in something that you might be interested in. And I know the hardest part about doing an internship is finding one or you have to be pretty proactive in contacting or reaching out to an organization. You know, do your homework. Make sure you do your homework and you read up on what those organizations do. And then don't be afraid to reach out to someone. I've had some of my best interns, they've come to me and said, hey, I'm interested in doing what you guys do at Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. Oh, I think that's really great advice. I just wanted to thank you again so much for taking the time to do this interview and helping out with our show today. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I just really enjoy, you know, Patrick doing this kind of work, which is inspiring people about this incredible ecosystem, 
you know, Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary we have out here, you know, it's 6,000 square miles of protected area. And we, the only way we can protect it is by all of us having a part in it and all of us being good stewards. Yeah, I, I agree. I didn't know that the Monterey Bay Sanctuary reached as far south as San Simeon. I think that's really cool. Yeah, we actually have a visitor center down there called the Coastal Discovery Center. And it's right there down at the edge of our border in San Simeon and right across from Hearst Castle at the William Randolph Hearst Park. And it's a sweet little spot. It's just a beautiful beach with a pier that runs out. And there's a wonderful little interpretive center there that currently is not open, but we look forward to it opening. It's one of those secret spots along the coast that's not too crowded these days. Oh, that's cool. I rode my, my bicycle down there last spring to visit my sister in Ventura, and I must have missed it, but it sounds like it probably wasn't open right now anyways. Yeah, it was, it's open limited days a week for sure. Yeah, but next time, because that, I mean, that the whole coast that we live in, we are so blessed to live here. It's unbelievable. Yes, we are. Absolutely. And thank you again, Lisa. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story with me, Patrick Hart, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Lisa Utal, who's a marine biologist at NOAA, which is the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, please send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM, KSQD Santa Cruz, at 7 p.m. on Sundays, and streaming online at ksqd.org. Or you can look us up on major podcasting streaming platforms like Spotify. Please visit our website at yfiob.org for more information about your future as our business. Thank you and see you next time.